Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. I'm Ryan, and we have James with us today, just us two for episode 59. Um, baseball's been, I think, as entertaining as advertised this year, uh, at least in comparison to years past, especially with the third wild card. It makes it so that it's very interesting to see who's going to be um, buyers or sellers at the deadline um, or who's going to compete for a wild card spot. You see Cleveland, the Red Sox, um, Chicago's trying to make a little bit of a push for that third wild card. In the NL, you have two NL Central teams, three NL East teams, and three NL West teams all in the race to not even not only just win their division, but try to grab a wild card spot. But with the most pressing, not or not most pressing, but most relevant uh, thing released today is we got an update on the all-star ballot. Um, I believe voting closes on the 30th. I'm on the website right now. It says it closes on the 30th. Um, and so, you know, with the all-star game coming up, the deadline coming up, we're almost halfway through the season. Um, things are getting pretty exciting. Did you say three NL Central teams? I said two. I meant to say, if I said three, I meant to say two. I meant to say two, because there are three very bad. There are three very bad NL Central teams. There are three NL Central teams that are in the running for the number one pick? Yeah, basically. Um, and they're all we'll going to be selling. That. We'll take that. Because the number one pick, I saw this graph. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not used to sucking. I'm getting I'm getting reacclimated to sucking. Um, the number one pick, it's like career war of number one, number two, number three, and then everything else is about the same from like four to thirty. So like mm-hmm. having the fourth pick isn't really that much more valuable than having the twenty eighth pick, but having the number one pick is almost. I mean, if you just look back at the list, like I can I can look it up right now. Uh, they're they're superstars typically, unless you really fuck something up. Uh, every number one. So I mean, if you like, all right. So twenty twenty one, obviously twenty nine. So like, okay, twenty actually. Spencer Torkelson is in the big leagues, but he hasn't done anything at all, really. Um, But he's expected to. It's his first year. Yeah, Adley, same thing. Um, Casey Mize is interesting because I think he's out for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. And then Royce Lewis, Mickey Moniak. So I guess Lewis Lewis would be good if he didn't get injured. Like he was he's genuinely like a good baseball player. He just got well isn't he isn't he up now? Or I saw something. I think he He was was up but then he tore his ACL. So now he's he's playing well. Yeah he's like it's just injuries. Like I think without injuries he would clearly be not maybe a top – I don't know how good he would be, but I think he'd be an above-average major league player at least. I don't know. But he was playing well. Um, well, Dansby Swanson and then – okay, so Brady Eakin, Mark Appel. So maybe maybe I was a little wrong. But here, here's the list I was looking at. It's Correa, Cole, Harper, Strasburg. That's four years in a row. But also, if you look at the players you just mentioned, outside of Mickey Moniak, um, all those players are, are good players when healthy. Right? Well, Mark Appel and Brady Eakin. Uh, I, I was. I, I think I stopped. Oh, well, yeah, those guys suck. But I, I think for the most part, your point is right. You know, getting the number one overall pick, especially nowadays, I think the draft accuracy has gotten a lot better. Guys are coming up pretty soon, right? Like Torkelson didn't spend too much time in the minors. Neither did Adley. Adley also would have came up sooner without injury, right? Like these are not like four or five years investments anymore. These are more like two, three year investments where you're going to see them pretty quickly. Like Witt Jr. was drafted, I believe, um, in 19, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I don't know. No, he I was didn't. drafted in 19, I believe. Believe, keyword, I believe. Not sure. I mean, and then even before that, Tim Beckham had a like decent career, I guess. David Price is like a not a Hall of Famer, but you know, one of those like Hall of, Hall of Very guys, Good, as they say. Uh, I don't even know who Luke Ho- Hokavar is, but Justin Upton, who was drafted as a shortstop. I mean, like. Justin Upton had a, had a really nice career, too. Like, these guys are good, is my point. Joe Maurer, Hall of Famer. Adrian Gonzalez, great player. Like, these players are all very good, and getting the number one pick is way um, more valuable than anything else in the draft. So we'll take the number one pick happily. Uh, keeps Keep sucking. That's yeah. It. Um, and I mean, I guess when it comes to the Cubs or like any of these other teams, the lottery presents an interesting situation where you can't just like, there's no clinching it in the last game of the season where you're the worst team in baseball. I hate the lottery. It's so stupid. 
I mean, I think the it's idea not, like this isn't basketball. You don't need a lottery. These guys aren't gonna come up and make a big difference right away. They're such they're so hit or miss. Like, okay, this is so much different because if you go back and look at the number one picks in the NBA, you're gonna be looking at the 15 best players in the league, right? Because right. you tend obviously that's an exaggeration, but you like tend to know on draft day. By, by draft day, by the time that an NBA prospect is 18, 19 years old, you tend to know what they're going to be. Whereas with baseball, it's kind of a, like, it's hit or miss. You don't know. You know, you could get the next Mike Trout, but you could also get the next Brady Aiken. Whereas, like, in the NBA draft, like, the last few first round, uh, number one overall picks are all, like, they're all future all-stars, if not already all-stars. So I just don't think the lottery is necessary in that sense. Because tanking, tanking in baseball doesn't really work. And on top of that, I mean, really, I think the the number one thing they need to open up competitiveness has nothing to do with the lottery. I think it has more to do with the third wild card, where like now you can be a mediocre team and make the playoffs. And I know that people are going to say, oh, that that seed, that number, that that third wild card is going to get knocked out in the first round. Pro- maybe, That's but not, we've seen I it in baseball. So. Like, you know, I, like, do we really think, like, I think, last year it would have been toronto you don't think toronto could have made a push last year like yeah especially if the ones see they would have played um in the first round the worst division winner which would have been what chicago they would have i think they would have beaten chicago in the first round right if you look this year i think and obviously this might this might be a hot take but i think we'll see four at least teams in the playoffs as long as tampa doesn't get sunk by their injuries because they've been really bit by the injury bug they'll be i think they'll be fine but like, do you really think – are you going to tell me, like, Tampa or Boston can't beat Minnesota in a playoff series? Like, are we being – like, let's be real here. Can they not – like, are we going to act like they can't? Because, obviously, New York at this point is a shoe-in. I think Toronto's a shoe-in. And then I think Boston is a playoff team, especially the way they've been playing. They got out to a really, really bad start. But, I mean, if you look down the Boston lineup, it's they're, – they're loaded. Yeah, like, they are. They. I mean, they've – I think they have three of the top ten hitters in the league with – um Devers, Bogey, and JD. Yeah, and then uh obviously Trevor Stories, you know, he plays well when he feels like it. And Jeez, weird. I mean Jalen Duran has been really good since they uh Jaron Duran, my bad, has been good. I always get him and then uh Jalen, the NBA prospect, right? Yeah, Jalen Duran. Yeah, because it just names. Um and then, and then the other one is Joan Duran on the um, Twins guy. Twins. Yeah, with the 97 mile power splitter. They're all confusing. But um, what I meant is Jaron Duran has been playing very well for them as well. And if that's, you know, if they have that guy in the leadoff spot and then they can go Devers, J.D., Bogart's story, like Verdugo. I mean, this team is loaded. And then if they get a pitcher, which I'm assuming they will at some point, uh, trade for a pitcher, then I don't know. I think they're going to make the playoffs. And I, I think agree. there were a lot of overreactions early on in the season about how slow their start was, particularly from um, Red Sox fans. I believe I said, I don't know if I said this here or somewhere else, but I, I know I said one of two, I think, I know, I know I've said here at least that Boston isn't as bad as their start says. Pretty sure I said something like that. Um because again, it's just really hard for a good roster to play like that. And the way they were losing wasn't sustainable. They lost like a lot of one run games, blown leads. Like those are just when a team gets off to a bad start and they lose because of blown leads, like or blown saves in the ninth inning, right? Like that's not a sustainable way to lose baseball games long term. They're going to turn it around. For the playoff seeding, like, do we really think, like, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying Minnesota isn't good. I think Minnesota is pretty good. Do we think Minnesota is unbeatable for Boston? No, I think Boston might be better than them flat out. Um, and I think that's what the third wild card creates. And even in the NL, right? Like now, instead of one of the Giants or the Padres or the Braves missing the playoffs, we can get all three of those teams in there. And do we really want to say that the Giants can't beat, let's say, the Cardinals in a playoff series or that the Braves can't beat the Cardinals in a playoff series, the Brewers, whoever wins that NL Central, right? Like it is, I think it makes for much better playoff baseball. I think the way, I think they could definitely improve it like i think reseeding after the wild card round just makes sense i don't think it makes any sense that a team like toronto could face the yankees in round one if the yankees are the best record in baseball and they get out of the wild card one or wild card two game like that makes no sense to me i think they should I don't be think, playing Houston. i don't think they should reseed i think they should just play 
I don't. You like don't it. think they should? I think it think I think it makes it too complicated. I mean, not that it, it doesn't already. really make it too. Co- there's four teams, and like there's four teams left at that point. If you, it's really but just reset, send I, I don't know. I feel like you don't need to reseed, especially with baseball. Like the the it's actually pretty likely that the four seed is better than the three seed typically, and I guess you like on a year over year basis that's obviously going to change. But I don't know. I think you're saying Atlanta. San Diego, San Francisco are like probably going to be those three wildcard teams. But I just think yeah. that NL, I think the NL Central team will probably be better than San Francisco by the end of the year. Um, which they could, yeah. Whichever team that is, whether it's Milwaukee or St. Louis, uh, who doesn't win the division, I think, and I think both of those teams would be dangerous six seeds because it, for Milwaukee, it's their pitching, and then St. Louis, they just. Obviously, like they're a well-oiled machine. They're always like, uh, their offense is phenomenal. Their offense is absolutely, and I agree. They're like, do we? I don't think the gap between the Cardinals, Giants, and Brewers is massive. I think it's like not negligible. I'm just rattling the three teams off my head that I could think of. Um, Whereas with a two wild card format, we would see two of those four that I described in Atlanta, San Francisco, St. Louis, and that's Um, given that's given that we don't get another like massive collapse from New York, which. Yeah, we are very much – I'm very much anticipating the Mets win the division. I think the I big am too, thing, especially because normally by now, especially given all the injuries, they lost DeGrom, they lost Scherzer, they lost – Yeah. Um, I guess Nimmo was out for a while, but it's mainly DeGrom and Scherzer that's like the, the big deal, and McGill. So they've had their, 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 their three best pitchers, I guess you could say, although I think Bassett's probably better than McGill. But like their opening day guy – and then Scherzer and DeGrom are all out with injuries and they've been fine. So I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of this team. I think they're, I think they might just be the best team in the national league, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately when you look at the national league, the Mets, they like they hit very well, whether it's sustainable or not. Right. We'll have to, we have to find the only way I can really know for sure is, you know, seeing how it plays out throughout the season. Um, I do think I have questions about how good their offense can be, but not enough for me to say that they're not as good as advertised. It's more so instead of being like, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time, they are a very, very, very good team. Like they're still pretty clearly the best team in the national league right now. Um, the Dodgers, they're starting pitching, right? Like I think they have massive questions now that Rios has kind of lost his velocity. Bueller's out with injury and hasn't been great when he was healthy. Heaney, Anderson, Gonzalez, I don't know how good they are. And that's kind of the big question mark there. When you don't know with the team, that's always a concern. I, I think I take that as a negative, not as a just a question mark. I think any team that has question marks is as a negative in that team. Uh, when it comes to the Braves, I think they're really good. I just don't think they're better than the Mets. Um, and if they are, they just, I don't know if they'll catch up in the division just because they've won, what, 13 games and are still six out or five and a half out, something like that. Like, it's kind of hard to make up games when you just get off to a slow start. Um, yeah, and Padres, the, the Braves are heading into a part of their schedule where they go San Francisco, L.A., Philadelphia, and then they get the Cardinals. They get the Reds in between. But those are four out of five series against tough teams, especially the way that the Phillies have been pl- playing recently. Yeah. Um, uh, the Phillies are another team that I think could be in the running for a playoff spot. They're uh, in the wild card. If you look at the wild card standings, they're only – two games back of a wild card spot. And I think everyone after the Phillies is just completely out of it. Like, you know, it's Arizona, Colorado, Miami. Those teams aren't going to make the playoffs, but I think down to Philly, they can between St. Louis, Philly, San Francisco, Atlanta, San Diego, which are the five teams at the top of the wild card race. Um, I think we're getting to the point where it's kind of shaping up. Whereas in the American league, you don't know, like right now the wild card spots are held by the blue Jays, guardians and red Sox. Um, I'm surprised by the Guardians, but I wouldn't be surprised if they sustain it for the rest of the year because they're just kind of, I mean, they're like, they're just kind of all around a decent team. Yeah, they're not playing a tough division either. Like, they have everything for them. Especially once you look at, like, okay, so they have Jose Ramirez, who might be, like, a top three player in the league. And I don't even think that's, like, a crazy take. I think he might be the best player in the league. He might be. I I was going to say that, but I don't think he's better than, like, Mike Trout. Who knows? Um, and then, I mean, you look down this list here. It's those three hold the spots, and then Tampa Bay, uh, Chicago, and L.A. 
and then Texas, who's tied with LA. Texas is another team they're interesting because they spent so much. They have gotten nothing out of Marcus Simeon and almost nothing out of Corey Seager. So if those two guys get going, maybe Texas could make a little bit of a run, especially because they're still in it even without them. But they're five games back. That's kind of a lot to make up. So we'll see. I, I they, they, but they've gotten better. They're starting to win games is what I'm saying for the Rangers. And I will say this, like Texas, right? Like I know that 31-35, like, oh, they spent all that money to be 31-35, right? That's a massive improvement as to what they were last year. Last year, they were fucking terrible. Now they, I think one of the things we really like is they have Ezekiel Durant at the major league level. He was in the Gallo trade. Durant, I, I think is a really good hitting prospect. I think they just got to figure out where he's going to play positionally long-term, but offensively, I think he's just kind of, a, he's got, he's hitter-ish. He's gotten great tools. Um, Texas is a team that, you know, they show they, they're willing to spend money. I think Simeon and Seager figure it out eventually. I think those are good baseball players. Even if Simeon is a 110 WRC plus hitter with great defense, that's not exactly what you wanted from his contract, but he's a productive major league player. Like, I, ha- I just find it hard to believe that Simeon can't be a good second baseman. For Seager, I'm way more confident he figures it out just because I think the bat is too good to be a 112 WRC plus bat. They've got great catching. Their relief pitching hasn't been terrible. Like Matt Moore and Garrett Richards are like guys they just picked up off the street who have been really good for them. Matt Bush has has like had solid peripherals. They're, you know, someone to look out for, I guess, if that's like a fringe wild card team. For the White Sox, they're just like the definition of how do you ruin a good thing, right? Like, how do you have so many good players on your roster and struggle to finish or bef- third place in a dog shit division is just beyond me. Like there is no team that's close to as disappointing as they are. You cannot like the Dodgers. I know aren't t- like on a tear. They're not as disappointing. There's not a single team I can even point to that. Remotely oh, I don't think you can say that a team, even if the Dodgers were supposed to be the best team in the league, they're 40 and 25, their first place in the division. That's not disappointing by any means, especially yeah. given, I mean, now they might struggle a little bit. They're, I mean, their best player is going down with an injury. So we'll see when Mookie Butts gets back, what they're like, what they're looking like, how they do without him, especially given, um, how Max Muncy has basically given them nothing all year. It'll be interesting to see where they are, but they have so much talent that I don't think it actually matters that they're going to lose bets for such an extended period of time, especially since they just got Kershaw back. Um, Bueller's, I don't know. I think he just got hurt, right? But Yeah, and he was bad when he was healthy. Or not bad, he was just painfully average. But Gonsolin has been uh, one of the best pitchers in the National League. Uh, Tyler Anderson, dog, man. Tyler Anderson and, and Andrew Haney have been good. Green dog, baby. My and dog then, um, I don't know what's up with Julio Arias, but he still has a 2.56 ERA despite the, the velo that you were talking about earlier. So, I don't know. I think the Dodgers, you can't really call that team a disappointment. No, I don't think they're disappointing. I'm just saying, like, no team, you cannot make a single argument that any team comes remotely close to the level of disappointment that Chicago White Sox are at. Like, I get that they've been injured, but at the same time, you're not playing in the toughest division in the world. And other teams have sustained injuries and have treaded water. This team has been god-awful. Like, I think you yes. can make the argument that the most disappointing team is Seattle, given where you know they what, were. Dude? They were a 91 team last year. They traded for Jesse Winker and Suarez, and here they are, 29 and 39. And now they're probably back into their rebuild. And I know this happens a lot. It, it's across sports, not just in baseball where teams will overperform one year and then buy into their overperformance. You know, we, we both saw this with the Knicks last year where they bought into an overperformance and it fucked them over. I think the same thing's going to happen or did happen with Seattle, but I think that they're in a position where they can kind of sustain that just because of how much talent they have in their farm system. Whereas the White Sox have gutted their entire farm to build this roster. And that's why I think they're more disappointing. And they're losing. And I think the reason they're losing is because they are run they were run into the ground by ownership and i wouldn't even say that front office mainly by ownership just like not taking it seriously because this is a team when you look at it they tanked for six seven years and they peaked as an alds exit like that can't and they have so much talent on the roster you look down the the lineup and it should be seven hitters who are like top of the line hitters, whether it's 
you know, at catcher Grandal at first, um, Abreu. Abreu at short with Anderson, at third with Moncada, and then with uh, Robert Vaughn and um, and Pollock in the outfield. Like those are very good hitters, but I mean, like you just haven't gotten performance out of them. And part of that has to be just the way that the organization is run from the top down. And that's not even mentioning, right? Like one of their big time prospects was Eloy Jimenez, and he has been a non-factor ever since 2020. Like ever since that's that 2020. Like that's like, you know, or, or the development of like, like the development of Michael Kopech, right? Like his ERA is great. Don't get me wrong. But right now he's struggling with his command. He just got pulled from another start. He's hurt. Dylan Cease was warming up in the bullpen to back him up in a start where Dylan Cease is a full-time starter and probably your ace of the future. You know, Lucas Giolito's on his way. I, I really, like, I, I definitely don't know. I have no clue what, what Lucas Giolito's, what that's going to be. Like, are they going to trade him? They're around, you know, does he want out? That's another situation, right? Like, they are just a clown show of an organization. That is a team way too talented to be not good. Or not even not good. Like last year, people like they're fraudulent. Okay, but at least they were good. You know what I mean? At least they were a good baseball team. Were they fraudulent? Maybe. But they were good at baseball. This year, they're fucking awful. They ha- they, they signed Josh Harrison to be his full-time second baseman. You could have found a quality second baseman on this market, on a market that had plenty of infielders, on a market like the pot, like I'm not saying Adam Frazier is a remarkable second baseman, but he was traded for nothing. And he signed Josh Harrison. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this, man? I don't really understand what the White Sox are doing as an organization. I don't understand how how did they let hiring – like, I don't know how they okayed hiring Tony LaRusso. I don't know how that even – I don't understand how Jerry – I don't even think that's the problem. I don't think even with – even if they kept Ricky Renteria, who's a decent manager, probably by LaRusso. Uh, definitely. I, mean, I disagree. I, I just don't – I don't think that that's the difference here. I don't think even if you had him – is that really going to like make your team, you know, from a, a below 500 team into a playoff team? I don't know. You know, Josh Harrison, he's, he was not supposed to be their full-time second baseman, um, but he is now just given all the injuries. And then now, I mean, they have like Danny Mendick is leading off for them. And I know that's an injury thing, but like, he's not that good. I just don't understand this team. It doesn't make any sense to me. What I don't, I, I, I don't disagree that like Larusa isn't the main problem. But the fact that Larusa was the guy they picked to hire tells you a lot about the organization. Like the organization is just ass backwards, right? Like I've never seen. I'm not gonna say I've never seen because there's probably another example I just can't think of. But I look at like the 2021 Yankees when they were disappointing with all their talent. They were still an oak, a good like they were still a playoff team. When you look at like Boston, when they were when they they've got off, they got off to a horrible start and they're in a playoff spot. Cleveland is a decent roster who just fit like they gutted Lindor Carrasco just two years ago and they're they back traded, in a playoff they're spot. Basically, everyone of value they traded except for Bieber and Ramirez. Right, I, they traded Kluber. They traded um, Carrasco. Clevenger. They traded Carrasco. They traded three, like at the time, top 10, 15 pitchers in the league when they were traded. They traded Lindor, who probably at the time he was traded was a top twenty player in the league. Absolutely. Um, maybe even top ten player in the league. When they he traded, was traded Bauer as well. They traded and I know Bauer, they, um, who won the Cy Young. Like obviously. Trevor Bauer is a terrible person, but that's like besides the point. We're talking uh, about the value they traded off the roster. We're just like, and then they've, I mean, they've found talent. And I think that's something about Cleveland that's going to make them one of those teams that even though they're in a small market, they're kind of, I think they'll be around for a while. I think they'll be good for a while just because of how, how well they're ran. They, they're like, they're a top tier organization with one of the best managers in the league, one of the best, like, systems and like they're running their roster not roster they're running their organization very well and so i think for that reason you can just see you know they they're winning games that no one really expected them to win um aaron savali has been horrible and it doesn't like and he's he's was coming into the year as their number two guy in the rotation but you know they they've found talent in places that other people weren't looking like guys like cal quantrell uh, who's pitched very well for them. Eli Morgan has been one of the best pitchers in the league. 
um, as a reliever. You know, and then obviously Tristan McKenzie has kind of found himself this year, and that's been huge for them because, you know, they needed a guy to be like their be their number two guy behind Shane Bieber, who I don't like. I don't think Shane Bieber is probably as good as he was a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be. I think it was a foreign substance thing, but I just don't. I just don't think it matters. That he's still a good pitcher. That's like all he's still he's still probably a top 15, 20 pitcher in the league, even if he's not, you know, the top line, top three, five guy that he used to be. But um, I mean, you just look at this team and you can just contrast them. Like the Guardians sold everything two years ago. The White Sox bought everything two years ago, and the Guardians have a better record. And I don't know how you can defend that if you're uh, if you're Chicago. Or especially, another example? Especially given that they play in Cleveland and they play in Chicago and they're like the Guardians have a bottom five payroll in the league. And they're better than you. And you probably are, I don't know where they are, but I would I would assume they're at least top seven or eight. They're higher in, in payroll. Like, like it's the Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, uh, Angels, and like the Braves probably have a higher. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of teams with um higher payrolls but they're still like they're paying probably at least twice as much for their roster yeah, they're seventh in payroll at 195 million dollars and cleveland is at 68 so they're about three times more a little bit over right cleveland is third third to last in the league yeah um they're even lower than like tampa and seattle and Cleveland and Tampa are the only two good teams in the bottom half um, and Minnesota, but uh, I guess the Brewers are here too. So I'm at the bottom 10, but if you look at the 21 to 30 in payroll, it's a bunch of shitty teams. And then it's the guardians and Rays who are just very well-run organizations. And I'm on record saying this. I know you might disagree with this, but I do, I still think that the best, way to run a team even in a big market is to run your team like a small market team and then spend money when you like if you have money to spend obviously spend it but running your team like a small market team they've figured out the best way to um like manage their assets i don't just i don't disagree with you like i think when it comes like pitching right like you don't want to be like you know, I, I think like Garrett Cole to the Yankees, the Yankees needed Garrett Cole. They had to get him, right? But you can't build a rotation on, what, five guys like at that payroll. It's just not sustainable. No ownership is going to be willing to sign off on that, right? We know how Except owners the are. Of the, they, might yeah, no, they might do. They might do. Like, we know, we know ownerships, how ownerships are. Like, they, they all of them except for Cohen really has limitations. And even Cohen, I mean, he didn't go out and sign Kyle Schwarber just to say, fuck it, we'll sign Kyle Schwarber because we, we want to have a But they didn't need lineup. Kyle Schwarber. If they, if they right. were in a position where they needed a starting pitcher, he'll go get a starting pitcher. Exactly. Like when you don't need things or like supplementary, like depth, things like that, you don't spend the bank on depth. You go to your organization, go to the minor leagues or go kind of look at the quadruple A market for players and find your depth there. And the Guardians have done it very well. I think I don't know if you remember the uh, Cesar Hernandez trade that Cleveland made with Chicago. They got Connor Pilkington in that deal. And he has a three, six, seven ERA and three, three, one to fit with um Cleveland right now in 27 innings right like that's depth when they need guys to just kind of come up and give them innings they have a guy like Pilkington to give them above average performance on a per rate basis and they just took him from the White Sox I bet the White Sox would like to have Pilkington because I know that their pitching depth is not nearly as strong as it was last year they kind of made it like they're the reason what a part of the reason why the White Sox were so good last year was they we got Lance Lynn without having to pay him too much and trading assets like Dunning where those were expendable guys to them and signing Rodon. That's what made them so good. It wasn't because they went out and bought different talent. And I'm not here advocating for teams to not spend. I'm, I very much think every team should be spending more. I think Cleveland should be spending more. Everyone should be spending more. But the White Sox don't spend smart. They don't know how to do it. $197 million to your payroll to not even get value like where's where is that money like it, it feels like it's a payroll where it's like where's the money even going to who's the big time player they currently have rostered that is on a big time contract because anderson robert and eloy are on a, all on team friendly deals Giolito hasn't been extended cease hasn't been extended lynn got his extension but it's only a two-year one 
Rondall's a big money player, I guess, but that's basically it. Like, it's just a lot of money that you just, it just ends up and they don't have room to spend. They're not going to spend anymore. They don't really have big money coming off the books either. They're not going to spend at all. Like they will spend maybe a little bit of money this offseason at most. If, I mean, if you look down this, like uh, the, the salaries of the guys on this roster, nobody here is making over $20 million. Not a single player on this team is making right. $20 million. Um, and they're still top seven in the league. If you look at the other teams in the top seven, it's the Red Sox who have uh, J.D. Martinez is on a huge contract. And uh, I mean, not I, I guess you could say the same thing for the Red Sox, but they've spent money here and there. Obviously, they went they're cheap. They're also really good. They went so. cheap with Mookie Betts. But, you know, you look at the Padres who are up here with, you know, they've got Machado and Darvish and Hosmer and – you know, Snell, who are on big contracts, or the Phillies, who obviously have Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, JT Romuto. I mean, they're like the perfect example of just spending money aimlessly and they have no idea what they're doing. Um, the Yankees have Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge, who's going to get a big contract, which we'll talk about at some point, uh, how much you would give Aaron Judge. But uh, if you look at the Dodgers, they have Mookie Betts. If you look at the Mets, it's Francisco. Mm-hmm. And like these, these teams up here, are teams that spent 300, $350 million on one player in the top five, all five of these teams have, and the Padres did it twice um, with Machado and Tatis. And I'm not saying that that was like a bad move, but just the White Sox are spending so much money on basically nothing. It's, uh, it's, it's a shit show for them. The, the money and the I think they're going to have to go back into rebuild mode within the next year or two. I mean, look at the money they have in the bullpen. They have Graveman at $8 million, Kelly at $7 million. You want to tell me, you know, Hendricks worth a contract? Sure, $13 million, But that's – you give that one guy that big deal, you know? You don't go out and you don't pay – like, why is Kendall Graveman getting $8 million a year for them? Why is Joe Kelly getting $7 million a year for them? You don't need – like, not even just that you don't need these guys. These guys aren't worth that money, right? Um, you know, I'm glad they got their money. Don't get me wrong. I, I love when players get paid. But, like, for the White Sox, what sense does it make to make constant big spends or big buys in your bullpen? They just tried to had to ship off Kimbrell's contract. They would not have had to add AJ. The only reason they're paying AJ Pollock is because they decided to take on Kimbrell's contract. And they didn't – they decided to opt into it. Like, I don't really understand what they think they're doing. I don't think they understand how I, – I, I, Rick Hahn is not terrible, but he's not a very good general manager either. He does not really understand what he's doing in terms of how to use his financial assets. Um, you look at the rest of the AL Central, like the Minnesota Twins are not an Im- incredibly impressive roster or farm, and they figured out how to bounce back from an awful year way better than whatever Chicago did because they have their big money player. And that's Carlos Correa. And I would say Carlos Correa almost over every player on that White Sox roster pretty easily. If you're going to spend money on a player, spend it on a player who's actually fucking good at baseball, if you get what I'm saying, or valuable to your team. Well, they Don't spent say- it on Grandal, who was the best catcher in the league, and then they Which makes sense. I'm just saying, like, Kelly, Graveman, Pollock, those are, like, those are not, like, I, I, they, they, the reason, the Dodgers shipped off Pollock for a reason. They shipped him off for Kimbrell. The White Sox traded for Kimbrell. They traded for another big-time club that they couldn't afford, and that's why they had to trade him. If they could afford him, they would have kept him. They could not afford him. They had to trade him and match the contracts with someone else. And they added Kelly and they added Graven. It just doesn't really make sense to me what they're really doing. I know they've had a lot of underperformances, and I'm not saying this team should have been this bad, but, man, does it really show that when this team has any injuries or anything, if everything isn't going completely right for them, they are not going to play that well, even in an easy division to win. It just, you know, you're right. They're probably, they might have to rebuild soon because what's, their, what's the next big guy in their farm? Right, like who's nobody. The they 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 gutted their entire farm system. Um, who who even is their top prospect right now? I don't even know. Uh, is it? It's probably some seventeen year old. Okay, Col- Colson's a good player, but he's on twenty years old and he's an ETA of twenty twenty five. Like, who? who they have no it? one who's. They've got a uh, Yoki Cespedes who was kind of a highly touted prospect. He's twenty four years old and he's in Double A. So I'm sure he'll be up at some point this year, but. And he's struggling at double A. 95 WRC plus double A. He's not like he's killing it. I he said he's no like good. Weapons? He's just been like bad. 
28% strikeout rate with a 2.7% walk rate. Like that's not playing at, at the AAA level. You're not going to even get to AAA at that with that. I'm sorry. I mean, there's decent, there's decent prospects here, but no one's good. No one's like, no one's like that guy who you're like, okay, so this guy is going to be one of the best, you know, prospects, best young guys in the league when he comes up. Whereas like, even if you look at a team like Cleveland, they, uh, they don't have a great farm system, but they have, uh, Daniel Espino and George Valera, especially Valera, who are guys that are just like highly touted prospects that, and, you know, Nolan Jones, uh, Gavin Williams, like these are guys who are going to come up and be impact players for them. I, I'm sure Tyler Freeland, uh, Freeman will be at, will be up at some point this year. It's just, um, the, I don't know, the White Sox traded their whole farm system for, for uh, a, I mean, who do they even use them on because they had it's because a lot of their guys graduated and they didn't have anything else after that and then they traded like dunning and dunning wasn't great i'm like you know jack's gonna kill me for that but i don't think dunning is like special um they didn't really trade anyone of no oh madrigal i guess but madrigal kind of sucks so no yeah he's been horrible but that's that's a completely different they have vaughn and sheets but like a lot of the guys they've had like they've graduated so you look at haven't um, been good yeah like Luis Roberts been the best one, and I guess Cease. I'd say Cease has been the best one. Cease is like a front, like an like a top twenty starter in baseball. I think um, Cease is a front line Cy Young candidate this year. Yeah, I you know. Just, I, I think I put him in my top ten. I think he's like. I think it's not a bad take. He's top ten, right? Right, and then Roberts been good, but like you look at Eloy Jimenez, who was one of their best prospects. He hasn't done anything at the major league level, and obviously, there's still upside i'm not saying that there's that he's like there's careers over or anything but he's he's always hurt uh, i just i think that's enough then, on the white Sox. so uh if you want to just move on and make our yeah. all-star teams so, so i'm on uh, here i haven't made an all-star vote yet um did i tell you that i i picked i did my ballot and i voted five times just spam voted and i forgot i put kyle farmer at shortstop said tommy edmund okay so so Starting with the American League, we can go. Uh, we'll go first base. Um, I think it's it's got to be Ty France, right? Absolutely, Ty France has been. I mean, he's been one of the best players in baseball, and he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, it's kind of comical that he isn't in the top. Like, he's the eleventh best hitter in WRC plus. I guess the other guy you could put in is Luis Arise, but he's like not like he hasn't played as much, so I'm not gonna put him. I'm gonna put Ty France over him. Um, and then I think. So you have one and two are Guerrero and France. I think Rizzo's been better than Guerrero. And I, I think it's marginal. You, I don't really care who you pick at that point. Like, you know, like I when they I have. Think, I just, I think Guerrero's getting it for the name value, but it's got to be Ty France or Luis Arias, but I'm going to go Ty France. I think, I think my one and two would be France and Arias. I think that would be my one, two if I could pick. All right, and then if we look over to the National League first baseman, it's Goldschmidt. This isn't. Yeah, not even close. This is not a conversation. This is not a conversation. Um, not at all. AL second baseman, I want to give a little bit of love to uh, Andres Jimenez, but I think it's got to be Altuve. I think as long as – I think pick, you can make an argument that it's Espinal, but, like, I don't know. He's at, like, a 108 WRC plus right now. Like, I don't know if he's – I would pick – he is a great defender. That is true, but like at that point – at that point, would you not just pick LeMahieu, who's a better hitter and a just as good of a defender? No, I wouldn't because he's a Yankee. Well, but you know what I'm saying. Or like Polanco probably is up there with Espinal. I mean, Trevor's story has more war than Altuve, but I think it has to be Altuve. I think it's Altuve because he's healthy again and he's going to start playing games again. I mean, like if you look down this WRC Plus leaderboard, it's Altuve at 148. It's Glaber. And it's Glaber at 137. And then it's a bunch of fucking nobodies. With like I think it's 60 WRC pluses like Whit Merrifield and Nicky Lopez and Adam Fraser, like no and Jonathan Scope. Like none of these, there's there's two guys with this with a, a WRC plus above 120 at the position. And I'd I'm give my stories at 99. He's an obviously he's an elite defender at shortstop, so he's even better at second base. But I think it's got to be. I gave my vote personally to uh, to, to Torres. I know that's going to sound biased, but I, I mean, he's a very good hitter and he's been a better defender than Altuve. That's just the way I voted on it. If right, Altuve's your pick, I think that's fine. Let's play narrative ball. I think it's Jimenez because Jimenez wasn't showing up on my uh, on my favorite. Jimenez list. doesn't show up. Oh, yeah. Jimenez doesn't have enough for me. to qualify. Why doesn't he show up he, here? He's not qualified. 
How many how many play appearances does he have? One hundred eighty-six. Um. Okay. So as long as I like, I know some people are gonna say, "Oh, we have to be a qualified player." I don't really think so. I think as long as you have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you put Jimenez. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay, we're gonna go with Andre Jimenez is yep. the American League second baseman. All right. If we look at the National League for second base, um, Ozzy Albies is second. Um, this is a fucking joke. I, I know it's McNeil. I know it's fan voting. Uh, I would also go McNeil, but I think you can make an argument for Jazz, who's the guy who's first right now. Yeah, Jazz is fine. I just think McNeil is like, but I wouldn't even say it's fine. I'd say I think McNeil is just better. I, I don't know if the yeah, defensive the stats are better. I want to see in the All Star game. Yeah, but I'm not going to vote on that because I think that's just too subjective to vote on. Like, if I go based on that, I'm going to be really unfair to some guys. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that McNeil's defensive value comes from playing different positions, but he's played a solid second base, so I'm not going to really do him like that. I'm just going to put – I would pick him. I, I'm not going to – I would pick him. So, American League third base, this is the hardest position because it has two of I would, the top three players in the league so far. It's the two – it's a two AL MVP front runners. I think they've both been better than Judge to start the year. So it's yeah, one of the I two. think I think it's Devers. Yeah. Devers has been the better hitter. Devers is a quantif- like he's been really a lot better defensively and his base running isn't bad. Like I don't think you could make an argument that Devers doesn't deserve to at least be the second guy. And if we're talking about MVP voting, he shouldn't fall any farther than second. Um I think he's the AL starter. I think so Ramirez is a one ninety WRC plus, Devers is one seventy seven. Um, which is a pretty decent gap. So I guess you can make the argument that if you care more about the hitting, which obviously like Ramirez is the better player, but I think Devers has had the better season. And I think Devers is the AL MVP of the season and today. Um, and then if we go back and then we look at the National League third base side, I think Manny Machado is the, is the NL MVP of the season and today. And I know uh, he just got hurt and it looked bad, but I guess it's only a mild injury. Although that was x-rays were negative. That I, I don't know what the MRI update is. I was looking at this uh, yesterday, but I think, I think I know third base has to be a Machado. I think also, I mean, for the AI, I want to circle back. Like remember the Cleveland's played way fewer games because of rain out. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a factor. Like he's, I just noticed that like 30 fewer play appearances in seven last games played. So who knows, but yeah, NL is definitely Machado. Like, I don't think that's a, that's not a conversation, right? Like we would agree Machado very clearly. No one's close to him at third base in the national league. Yeah. And then I think if you look at shortstop in the American league, I think it has to be Xander Bogarts. Although a lot of people are voting for Tim Anderson and Bo Bichette. I, I don't get the Bichette thing. I know. Um, yeah. Obviously, Jeremy Pena is another – He, I mean, he's another guy who you can make an argument for. He's second in F4, but Bogarts has such a big advantage. I think it has to be. Oh, him. I didn't even know he led in – I did not notice that he led in F4. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, Bogarts is definitely – I, I did not vote for him. I don't know why I thought, like, Anderson was better. No, 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 no. It's definitely Bogarts. Absolutely. I mean, it's an entire war over Anderson. He's a one – he's also had good defense this year. So, Which is crazy. Yeah. If Bogarts is actually a good defender, he's gonna get. Uh, I think he might get more money than Judge this offseason. I don't know if he'll get more total money. I think he'll just get more years, just because it's hard to like. I don't know how the total money is gonna look, but yeah, I would give him more money. But I would trust. Like, I would be more confident giving him a long term deal. Yeah, because he's so consistent. There's and he's younger. That's basically. I mean, yeah, he's a younger. year younger. I don't think that really makes that big of a difference, but. I mean, it's it's a full year, I guess. But Bogarts has had a 130 WRC plus the last five seasons. Um, he's obviously he's obviously that guy there. I think he's got to be the pick. And then if you go NL shortstops, <clears throat> as badly as I want to vote for Francisco Lindor, I'm not going to. Um, Nico Horner's fifth in F4, by the way, among NL I shortstops. will be voting. I will but be voting be Tommy for Tommy Edmund. Yeah, like – Tommy Edmund, for people like, oh, well, he's not an actual shortstop. He has as many outs above averages as Lindor, as many defensive runs saves as J.P. Crawford. He is second in offensive runs in the National okay, League. Like, he sucks. Like, I think, dude. Why is Tatis even here? Like, why is he even on the ballot? That's- because why not? Why not? I mean, like, you know how they are. They want, they want, they want people to want to vote. They don't really care about the accuracy of the vote, which I get. Like, it's a marketing thing. It's not really a, you know, ball knowledge. It's thing. narrative time. Nico Horner has played 16 less games than all the top four shortstops, and he has 1.5 at four, which is fifth in the National League, uh, despite the fact that he only has a 93 WRC plus because he's just that guy defensively. Uh, he leads 
I know shortstops and defensive value. I think he leads him in odds uh, above average too. Uh, so I think he's an all-star. Um, alongside the other Cubs who will also make the all-star team, Ian Happ is, is an all-star starter. We'll get there in a minute. Um, but I think it's it's either Edmund or Swanson. And I think you can make an argument for Swanson. I definitely um, think he has like a, he has a good case, Dansby Swanson, but I'm going to go with Tommy Edmund. All right, AL catcher, it's Kirk, right? And yeah, and then I want Trevino to be the backup. That's and then NL catcher's Contreras. There's not even a question. Not, no, not even close. Contreras Sorry. is the best catcher in baseball so far this year, and probably generally speaking, I would say the same thing. Um, okay, so now if we look at outfield, uh, in the American League, it's Judge and Trout. Those are two givens, right? And then uh, listen for me. The third spot right now is held by George Springer. Um, can't say I love that, but I, I don't know. Jordan Alvarez is third in F4, but I think he's listed as a DH here. Yeah. He's a shoe in there. Right? If he doesn't get the DH spot, someone needs to be executed. But I think, I think I'm going to go with Kyle Tucker as the third guy here. That's, I, that's interesting. How many games? Um, he has more war. I don't know. It's tough. I think I'll take Buxton, but Tucker and him are so close. I don't really care who you put over who. And then Taylor Ward is another guy. If he didn't get hurt, man. I mean, I would consider him, but like, I don't wait. What's his war at right now? Cause I don't know what his numbers are. It's now. 2.4 Buxton's 2.5 yeah. and Tucker's 2.4. Yeah. If you have like a worse war than a player who's played more than you, I can't, I just can't put you, even if you have better. Well, Taylor rates, Ward has played less than Buxton. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you've played fewer games and you have fewer war like that. You know, if you have as long as it might be as long as you contribute more value, I don't care how many games you've played, but he hasn't contributed more value in wins over replacement. So um another guy I want to talk about is Julio Rodriguez, but I don't I don't think he should start the all-star game, but he has been uh he got up to a slow start, but I think since then he's been like one of, if not like the best outfielder in the American League. Obviously not if not the best. He's not been the best, but he's probably been worthy of that all-star starting spot since even like april april 22nd and now he's a 142 wrc plus like he's 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 exactly what they needed uh for the mariners and um but i'm not gonna go with him obviously it's gotta be it's trout trout and judge or shootings and then i'm gonna go tucker but i think you can make an argument for buxton or ward yeah and for the DH, I think we both agree Alvarez is – if you don't pick Alvarez, you're just an idiot. Like, that's how I see it. Yeah, and then – okay, go back to the National League. I don't know what you're doing. Do you... Oh, wait, I forgot we didn't do the National League. So, if okay, so Mookie Betts is a shooting. Yes. Um, I think – okay, so if you look at actual outfielders here, uh, the top three in F4 are Betts, Happ, and Nimmo, and it's not close. Um, everyone else is at least half a win behind them. Uh, I, I get the Jack Peterson thing. He's got a lot of homers and he has a good WRC plus, but like he can't play defense. And I know that doesn't really matter that much when it comes to all-star voting, but he's also, he has a lower war than Michael Harris, who's played 22 games. Um, I'm going to go bets. I'm going to go Hap, who, who isn't even top five, by the way, um, in voting. Top, he's not top six. Adam Duvall is six with his 638 OPS. So these Braves fans are crazy. Um, but I think it has, I think you got to go bets. I think you have to go have as much as you, you know, I was arguing with us being our guys about this. They, they were saying that they don't want to put him there, but. Why don't they want to put Hap there? Because it's boring, I guess. But who cares? He's good. He's not even a boring baseball player. He has like a podcast. I don't care. Like he's he's good. I think the argument of boring is so subjective. Like it's literally, I don't think you should vote on all star games based on boring or not boring because that's subjective, right? Like unless you're Shohei Otani or like Jazz Chisholm, like what's the fun argument for Brandon Nimmo over Ian Happ, right? Like right. oh man, he's so much more fun because he. What exactly does he do? You know. Like, I, okay, so know. this third outfield spot is tough. Uh, I, I'm kind of tempted to go Acuna. I went with Acuna, but I think Nimmo's probably the better choice. He has a better WRC plus, I think, as well. Definitely. Definitely a better choice. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that would be like, or, or your Shremsky is a fine choice, I guess. I don't know. 
Uh, Canna might be up there. Profar, Profar is kind of chills. Like I like Profar. I think Profar. I mean, okay, so Jack Peterson's leading in WRC plus. I might just give him to that because of it. I'm gonna stick with Nimmo, but I think as long as you pick someone who has a statistical, who has like statistical merit in the outfield, like you're fine. I think you um, have. An, I think there's also an argument for Soto, uh, just because of the Xwoba, but I just don't know if I care that much. Yeah, I don't care about like expect stats too much. Right, so I'm gonna go with Jack Peterson because yeah, like. I don't know. This third top, this third spot is tough. That's as obvious. I think Hap is obvious. I think you picked both of those guys too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I'll go Nimmo with the last spot because he's he's got the most war and it's not close. He's you know he's a great hitter, great defender. Um, and then for the National League DH, William Contreras deserves a mention, I guess, but it's got to be Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is yet again one of the five or six best hitters in baseball every single year it feels like ever since he turned it around in 2020 with the Phillies um yeah I mean he's remarkable at what he does it's he's just so much fun all right so I guess we're done with that yeah so let us know what your guys' all star bouts is, of course. I, I don't imagine that. I imagine the only disagreements would probably be like some people having like J Ram over um, Devers. I guess that might be a big one just because I think that's a fine. I don't think a, a lot of people are voting for Andre Jimenez. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know about that. Cleveland Cleveland fans kind of like Jimenez. I think Cleveland fans are like a passionate enough fan base to care about him. Um, for the like shortstop positions, I think Bogarts, most people would agree with Bogarts. Um, catcher Kirk has been killing the catching uh race so i imagine that a lot of people have kirk starting other than yankee fans who have trevino again i love trevino but i i think he's the backup like i don't think he can he should start that game kirk has been so good um and uh yeah um i think that'll do it for this episode we covered the all-star game talked a little bit about standings but you know there's not really much deadline stuff just because we are still in june and we don't even know who's selling like that's still um that's still up in the air with the third wild card it's way more up in the air than years past we don't know who's buying either or who's even available um so with that being said that'll wrap up today's episode thank you guys so much for listening this is a deep drive into left field and we'll see you guys in episode number 60 thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.